KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Charlotte Reese. The coronavirus is everywhere. It's a global pandemic, and it's affecting countries all over the world. Since it started spreading, we've seen countries take a lot of different approaches to fight the virus. Some countries have been really aggressive with lockdowns and curfews, others not so much. So with the benefit of hindsight, I wanted to kind of zoom out and take a look at all the ways that different countries tackled this pandemic. Did any one country have the best response to the virus? And how does the U.S. compare? Amy Palimbo is an assistant professor of epidemiology and biostatistics at Temple University. We're kind of getting an opportunity to see how different countries react to the same fight and what's working and what kind of isn't working. To start off, let's, you know, talk about what happened in the United States, right? With being able to look back at what has happened so far, how was the U.S. prepared for this pandemic and what kind of strategy did we use to address it? I mean... It doesn't seem like anybody was really prepared. I think the idea of a pandemic had been in the forefront of people's minds. And I mean, by people, I mean, not just epidemiologists. It's kind of always in the back of our minds. (laughs) But other people, you know, back in 2009 with H1N1 and at other kind of points. But I don't think anybody was prepared for something actually of this scale. So I don't think there's any perfect response out there. You know, it's pretty acknowledged that there was a lack of clear guidance, especially in the beginning, and states were left to fend for themselves and kind of decide what's best and how to approach it, which, you know, we might be able to learn a lot from, but I think it puts a lot of onus on a lot of people using a lot of different sources of information to make decisions rather than providing clear guidance from the experts who have the most up-to-date information at their fingertips. And then, of course, the kind of lack of consistent message, because you can have as many policies or recommendations, but you need people to comply with them. And I, I think that's where I think that's where the U.S. struggled the most is getting people's buy-in on the measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're saying like people responding to kind of what the task force was trying to do in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, you know, since it was happening everywhere, I'm always curious about different responses from other countries. And they're all over the place, depending on where you look. Is there any countries that stick out in your mind when thinking about the responses, either because it worked very well or it didn't? There's so many different responses. It's hard to pick. I mean, because every, I guess I'm reluctant to name any because every situation is different. The context in every country is different. Every culture is different. The the size of each country. And I think we see that a little bit here too. The, The timing of when the pandemic really took hold is different in each country. And that really, I think, had a big impact on how people approached, how both the leaders approached the pandemic and how the public responded to that approach. 
So, you know, we've seen that some countries like Australia and New Zealand and, and Canada have, have done a great job keeping uh, rates low and it's difficult. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, we can look for common themes from those places. And sometimes they might apply here and sometimes they might not. So, you know, like a, an island country is going to have a very different way of dealing with transportation and, and, you know, kind of travel in and out of the country than a country that's landlocked or, or as big as ours. But definitely, I think one thing that, you know, the su- countries that have been quote unquote successful have is really robust testing from the beginning or at least, you know, as quickly as possible. Yeah. And you said people being reluctant to follow the guidelines. And, you know, I'm curious because at the beginning when mask wearing was kind of coming about and in places where it's already common, you know, like Japan, do you know like what the pandemic has looked like or if that has actually, if we know, has that made a difference? Because People in Japan weren't like, oh, I'm not going to wear this mask because they already kind of had to. I I know that the evidence is, you know, continuing to accumulate about the effectiveness of masks. So it's really hard to tease apart that role that that one factor had. We have to kind of take the accumulation of evidence, you know, across everything and look at it critically, you know, keeping in mind all of the other, you know, all of the other things that were done to curb transmission. So masks are definitely a part of that. And I guess my main feeling about masks is like, I don't understand, even if even if we don't have, you know, perfect evidence, there's enough evidence that they help. And if that helps us not fully shut down, then it's absolutely worth it. To me, it's just such a small thing to ask of the public. There's been so many measures, and you mentioned lockdowns and different things. Um, what What do you think maybe has been the most effective on a countrywide level? And I know that they're all different. Or what countries do you think maybe have done better than most? I, I think, I definitely think countries that have limited large gatherings. I, I think, you know, we see that a lot of the quote unquote super spreader events happen at these large gatherings. And so I think that is one thing that we need to, that that countries that were successful did and continue to do. And it's going to be harder as the weather gets cooler, but limiting, just limiting indoor contact with strangers in general keeping it, making masks mandatory indoors. Um, I think we've seen, even just thinking locally, I know rates are going up, but Philadelphia did, after the initial wave, like had done a pretty good job of kind of keeping things low and steady. And as people may become complacent, you know, it's good to keep the mandates in place, but we also need to keep the message about mask wearing indoors, you know, and and lack of gathering a lot of people indoors. We need to keep that messaging going for like people's personal gatherings. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one thing too, maybe where we differ from other countries is that, you know, some of the large gathering protocols, like you're saying, were more enforced 
other places, you know, they focused really on the pods and bubbles more so than we did. Mm-hmm. But do you think maybe the U.S. could have really done something better? And I know there's no way of telling, but maybe if we had done, you know, <laughs> a couple things different, maybe we could have Halloween parties or something. I guess one thing that I think Germany is doing is quickly reacting to any uptick in cases. And I think, you know, especially at this point in the pandemic with all the fatigue, you know, I I see that, you know, they're in the news a lot for the kind of new restrictions, but I think they are, they're not kind of going to a total lockdown. They're they're doing partial restrictions and they can do that because they're just starting to see their increase. And so that kind of quick response to an uptick in cases can help to tamp down on infection spread. It can help to kind of remind people that this is still going on. And, you know, I think I think that's something that we didn't see here is that, you know, jurisdictions would have theoretical guidelines for reopening and then seem to kind of largely ignore them and just kind of set a date to reopen and reopen regardless of what the trends were looking like. Right. And it is, um, it's coming kind of at a, another wave, how the coronavirus kind of came in. And we were seeing the different countries going into lockdowns or whatever restrictions they put in place. And it is starting to be like that again. Italy was somewhere I was reading about earlier. And, you know, people are protesting the lockdowns now because it's crazy to think that we could be back where we were in March. Do you think the U.S. (laughs) could ever even, I mean, Americans, could we ever even do that again? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) so this is why, like, I, what I think we should do is, you know, pull back on some of our reopening early, like now, before it gets so bad that all we're left with is, you know, the hammer approach where we have to totally lock down. I I mean, nobody wants to go into total lockdown. That's not good for anybody. Nobody's actual desired state. So uh, my hope is that if we can kind of pull back a little bit on, on some some additional restrictions, but not not the way it was at the beginning, then maybe we can get it back under control with, you know, kind of as little pain as possible. But I said, uh, you know, back in March, part of what makes the lockdown so hard, of course, there is, you know, the the mental game that we play, but, you know, the, the need for people, I mean, the, the economic devastation that it calls is very real and we should recognize that. And, you know, we have a lot of money in this country and we could, you know, kind of offer support to people. So, you know, we have to do that if we're going to call for a lockdown. You know, restaurants are saying, you know, we're going to be in the same situation we were months ago. And, I feel like something is is slowly coming and we don't know. I mean, everywhere in the U.S., again, can take different approaches. We have to recognize that if we if we don't do anything, then it's going to be devastating. And right now, deaths are not where they were. But, but keep in mind, we didn't have the testing that we had, you know, the testing that we have now, we didn't have that back in March. 
So, you know, likely we had a lot more cases back then than we knew about. But if we don't do anything now, we're eventually we will see those rise in deaths. And everybody wants to avoid that. We want to avoid hospitals getting overwhelmed. And so, you know, there's just like no good answer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, partial lockdowns or, you know, the, you know, kind of public messages about being vigilant, about mask wearing, about social distancing, um, getting people to kind of get their mindset back there again, maybe can can help kind of tamp down on the on the spread. I mean, there, you know, it's again, I kind of thinking about this from Philadelphia's standpoint, but, you know, in some locations, you know, they're already they're already seeing like the huge spikes. They might have not have seen one in spring or summer. And now they're seeing one now. So for them, this is really kind of their first wave. And, you know, they might have to kind of start kind of getting into that mental space for the first time. Oh, that's a good point, too, how the waves are going to be different, depending on where you are. Yeah, that's it. And we say like, it's obvious that people don't want other people to die, I would hope, right? I think that's mm-hmm. the majority of people. And I like, yes. <laughs> um, like you study social exposures and like why people do things and how and why we do things and how it influences our health. And it just like, what do you think it says about people who are still taking the coronavirus seriously versus people who are going to have that huge Thanksgiving party or, you know, are going to do things and kind of test what what health experts are saying because they want to be social. We're kind of simultaneously dealing with limited information and then like an onslaught of information. And people are going to usually kind of react to what is kind of closest to them. And, you know, especially if they've been living in a location you know, that hasn't really seen the pandemic or if they haven't been personally affected by it, at least by by the illness. So if they've been more affected by a shutdown than by an illness, then that's going to influence, you know, kind of how they interpret every, you know, every news headline that comes out. And I think there's been this kind of similar to, I guess, our country in general, this like kind of different response where I see a lot of people, I, I think over time, people are kind of coming to actually more towards the middle. But, you know, for a while, I felt like at least the people I was seeing were either, you know, like very, very scared of it and being extra, extra cautious or kind of not thinking it was real at all. So we saw this kind of polarization and really what we need um, long term is, is to be in the middle, to take it seriously and to do our part. But you don't, I mean, you know, we don't want people to live in fear either. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, now now it really is everywhere. I think there were a lot of pockets in the U.S. that still hadn't really experienced it. And I think as, as it spreads more and more places and, and people are going to start hearing about people they know being impacted, I I think it might start hitting home. Of course, that's not what we want because we don't want people to get sick and and we are better at treating people now, which is, which is good, but we, we do need to take it seriously and maybe people will take it more seriously now that it's 
everywhere. <laughs> right, right. Taking the tough roads. It's like, right, Wisconsin was just using their first field hospitals a couple weeks ago, yeah. which is insane to think, you know, New York was doing that forever ago. And and even here, right, we were using the Leah Kaur Center. And, but I guess, and if you can, if you can think, <laughs> if you could like Frankenstein, right, like a perfect coronavirus response so far from different countries one country or that doesn't exist yeah yeah, yeah. or that doesn't exist that's fine well because i i think um you know there's been a lot of talk of i haven't specifically looked for recent updates on this but more widely i mean super widely available testing so for people at home you know, I was thinking, too, testing is something that, and, you know, um, I think I was reading China's very on top of it. They had one case in a city that didn't have cases in a long time, and they basically tested everybody in the city. I'm like, could you, I couldn't even imagine that happening in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we had that kind of capability, that would go a long way to addressing the concerns of both sides, especially if we could combine that with contact tracing or automatic automatic notification about exposure. There's a lot of, uh, I think, technology that could be available and we just don't have it widely available yet. So I think that's in the beginning, you know, when we were kind of first responding with the the huge lockdowns, I felt like we we missed an opportunity to you know kind of invest in some of those testing resources. And I think some countries that have had more successful response. I mean, we have a lot of testing, but it's it's not very evenly distributed. Definitely, we need our essential workers to be able to be tested frequently. If everybody had access to that, then it would you know. It would allow us to open up even more and, you know, like maybe enjoy our holidays. (laughs) Do you have any advice for people? Like, should we be paying attention to what other countries are doing and how they're responding compared to how we are? I, I think so. I mean, I think this is we need to learn from each other more than ever right now. I'm looking I'm looking at the the lockdowns that they're doing and, you know, seeing Especially, like I was saying, you know, the, the sooner that you can impose some restrictions, then the fewer restrictions, the fewer restrictions you might have to then impose to get it back under control. So I'm looking to see how how they kind of navigate this next wave and the people's reaction as well. You know, I think you know, seeing protests in Italy, you know, I, I think we should expect to see similar things here if we were to try to do a a total lockdown again. I, I guess I'll say this. We knew that these waves were going to come. You know, whenever we started to lift up on the restrictions, and especially in the cold months, we knew that more cases were going to come. So how we respond here, you know, will be in, speak to how how much we used this time wisely or if we just kind of ignore everything that we learned right right get some of those diy so. projects back <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for talking with me today sure 
that's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Charlotte Reese, and we'll have another episode out soon.